Okay, fine. Guess so, I'm just gonna go. We're starting today a new Mimer, a new Hasidic discourse. The title of this Hasidic discourse in its Hasidic um, terminology, appellation, it's called Vayoshed HaMelech Esther. The title is just based on the first words of the Mimer. Now this is a Mimer, a Hasidic discourse that is also part of the Hasidic Heritage series. And in the Hasidic Heritage series, they called this Mimer Journey of the Soul. So let's journey together. Let's see what's going on. And we're going to have a journey of the soul, but we're also going to be learning about Purim, and especially the power of Purim. But at the, at the same time, we're also already going to be talking about Pesach as well. You see, this, this mimer has, is really coming at the, the perfect time. The mimer, the discourse will start with analyzing the exact wording of two verses in the book of Esther. In the story of the book of Esther, a story that you, I, I guess you know, right? The story of, of Purim. Um, do they all know the story of Purim? I guess so. So Esther came twice, came twice to uh, the king Ahasuerus to plead. The first time was when it was actually to plead for her people. And, uh, well, to ask to have a private banquet with him semi-private, with Haman. So that was the first time she came and she presented herself to him without being called upon. And and the only way you could have your, uh, you could be accepted and welcomed by the king is if the king uh, tended his golden scepter towards you. And the second time was after Haman's downfall, where she again came to plead for her people because the decree was still ongoing. So it's too Two moments that seem very similar to just happen at two different times. One is in the beginning of the story when the situ- situation is the most difficult, the most catastrophic, so to speak. Haman is at the, 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 the biggest of his, of his might. The second time is when things start to clear up because Haman is gone. But now we have to have a real a real victory, like, like that there shouldn't be any problems that come from the aftermath of Homo. The author of the Mimer is the author of the Tanya. Same one, Rabbi Shnerazam. Last Mimer that we learned, we learned the Mimer from the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rabbi Rashab, Rabbi Shalom Davber. This time we're going back to the origins. We're learning a Mimer from the Balatani himself a Hasidic discourse that is printed in another one of his books called Torah Ayur. And he starts this mimer off by analyzing those two moments where Esther presents herself in front of the king, and he just picks up on very, very nuanced different words that I used. For example, the first time it said, the first time it just said that uh, the king extended to her the scepter, and she, Esther, touched the tip of the scepter. That's what I said the first time. So the scepter is in the hands, king, in the king's hand, and he's just 
extending it towards her, and she's touching the tip of the scepter. While the other time, the second time, it says, and the king gave, Vayoshet also means give, he gave, the king gave Esther the scepter. doesn't say she touched it. He said, the king gave Esther the scepter, and Vatakom, and she rose up, like, and she stood in front of the king. Now, in Hasidus in general, and I've been telling you this already quite in uh, uh, different occasions, there are, there's always this approach that everything that is in Tanakh, especially if it's in Tanakh, Torah Nevi'im Ketuvim, even though there is the simple reading that relates to the physical plane and the physical narrative, there is, it's, there's multi-layers. It also corresponds to other dimensions that interact with each other. Torah is written by Hashem, and Hashem writes things in a way that if you want to just read it as a nice bedtime story, well, you could. But if you want to see more when you can, that you can do that too, because he's talking, like we know that like people like in poems, where there can be so many layers of understanding that are non-mutually exclusive. No. They could complete, they, 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 they talk about, it's true, it's true, it's true, it's true, all that is true. It's all of the above. Like which reading is the right reading? All of the above is the right reading. So here in this minor, you have to understand that when it says the king, the king is Hamelech. 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 The king. Melech Malchei Hamelachim. The king of all kings. When it says the king, it is also a reference to Hashem himself. By the way, this is not only in Hasidus. The Gemara, Talmud already states that when it says Achashverosh, it means Achashverosh. And when it says Hamelech, it means HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But then on the other hand, Talmud also states in a different place that Achashverosh also can be referenced to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, here, this Mimer is going to say, when it says that Esther came in front of Hamelech, Hamelech is the Abishter. Hamelech is Hashem. Is God Himself. So who is Esther? Esther? Oh, Esther, that is the Jewish people. Why is she called Esther? Well, we'll see. Isn't the Jewish people called by other names as well? Yes, always in, in regard to certain circumstances. We have to understand the circumstances in which here she will be called Esther. Oh, so one second. So if Esther, meaning the Jewish people, stand in front of the king, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem, so what is this scepter that he is extending? Uh-huh. That's the Maimon. So why in the beginning does the Jewish people only touch the tip of the scepter? And why afterwards do they get the scepter? What is the scepter? What is it about? This is what we're going to learn the Maimon. To be able to explain, however, what, hi, how are you? Sorry to just mm-hmm. no problem. How are you? You're welcome. Can I just say something to know who it is? Batya, I think, who has the keys for the shul. In fact, lunch, you have it. Can you, at lunchtime, when you finish the class, lock the front door? I just didn't bring my oh, keys. Sure. Yes. Just Every night I check before. I just don't like leaving it open all day. It's oh, okay. People wandering and 
all types of people. Someone wandered in and brought money for you yesterday. Did you get it? Yeah. Those people you can let wander in. <laughs> other types of people who wander in. You want to just keep the front door closed. Okay, thank you. No problem. No problem. It's a public safety. You just, you just, meaning they should ask the person, do you want to give money? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> she tried to push it in through the locked door. <laughs> so, uh, to be able to understand what is going on in Purim, where the Jewish people is called Esther, and they only get to touch the tip of the, the, the scepter before Purim reveals itself. But once Purim, as a concept, reveals itself, oh, then you have the whole scepter. To be able to understand that, we have to understand what is going on in holidays, holidays in, in general, holy days, <laughs> which is, which is Eretz Yisrael, go together, by the way. The holidays are the holy days. What is going on spiritually when we have a Yom Tov, when we have Sukkot, when we have Pesach, when we have Shabbos? What is going on spiritually? And once you understand what is going on spiritually in those different kind of holidays, then you'll be able to understand why Purim stands out, because indeed you'll see the statement from the rabbis that all the holidays will be abolished besides Purim. Hmm. So we're very happy for all the investments that we made over the years in costumes. Uh, at least that is safe. So, but still, obviously, it must correspond to something much more deeper. Uh, what, when he, what is going on in all the holidays that in the future will become irrelevant, it's abolished, but not Purim. So what does Purim have that will always keep it relevant? You see, so this is a very like, big opening introduction to the Maimon, the guidelines of the Maimon, and now let's go inside. So he starts by quoting the verse, The king extended to Esther his golden scepter. Vatakam Esther, and Esther rose up, and she stood before the king, etc. That is the, the verse the second time. Let's now understand the reason for the changes, Shebei Parashazo, that is between this paragraph, this episode, the parasha Shalomalal, to the to the, an episode that was written earlier. The Sham Nemar, in the earlier episode, the words used were, Vayosh and Hamelech, the king extended, the golden scepter, Asher Beyodoi, very heavily the verse insisted on the fact that the golden scepter was in the king's hand. Vagam Sham Nemar, and it says over there, Vatiga Bereisha Sharvet, that Esther touched the tip of the scepter. Vakan Mashma, but here, simple reading, Shenatan La, that the king gave her, Kola Sharvet, the entire scepter. This question, which is not a question, this, analy- an- this analysis of the discrepancies comes from the fact that we know that everything that is in Tanakh, in Karanivim Ksuvim, is God's word. Be it spoken directly or through the prophets. But it was written in a very precise way that although 
in 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 so many occasions we don't know why certain things are written and why certain things are not written but anyone who just thinks about it for one moment a lot of people for example i know this is not a chumash class or a tanakh class i'm just making a parenthesis everybody who thinks for a moment that Torah is a history book so think again because you can have some events that are related with so many details that we don't really care for that much and then other things we're like hey, yeah, well, well, hold on what happened afterwards nah not important no, I want to know what happened did he get married like, okay. No, that was wrong. Doesn't matter. Like, move on. Like, like one second. Like, suddenly, well, it's not. If you start reading, by the way, Tyra, from a like very academic perspective of historical accounts, it's it has no standards. It's all over the place. Oh, blah, 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 blah. oh, yeah. like it's like, or like you rush through things, like, uh, well, hey, hello, like, you know, like, like big things, like the building of the Tower of Babel. Well, didn't babble a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, like six verses, the whole thing was over. Like, hey, hello, hello, one, one second, one, a whole lot. Who did what and why? Like, what was that about? Where was it? No, it doesn't matter. Anyway, Abraham Avinu. Okay, like, no, no, it doesn't matter. I want to know more about that. Where it doesn't go. So it's okay. Doesn't matter. And then suddenly you have all those details. Batya came down to the Nile River with her maidens. Ah, with her maidens. Why do I care? Like, suddenly you have all those details how she came down and how she called him and who was standing where and what etc and all of that is only and i'm closing the parenthesis because since it's not a historical account it's not if it would be a historical account there would be some kind of guidelines how you tell stories or which stories you decide to tell etc and how you tell them there are no guidelines here because it's not a historical account every event is a spiritual teaching that is inside the narrative. But that's why, yes, those details are very important because they carry a symbolism that I'm referring to. Those details, no. That's just history. You see the difference? So the just history doesn't go into the Tanakh. In the Tanakh is only Tyra when it's something that has a teaching. So why is it important for Tyra to say, well, no, that the first time she touched the tip of the scepter, the second time she got the scepter. Okay, yeah, but that doesn't change anything to the story. True, it doesn't. It's not about the story. It's about the symbolism. It's about what it's referring to. And which brings us to the first, next question. So to understand that concept, because the Megillah is eternal and we read it every year. So what does that represent for us in every moment? So we get to the second chapter. Is everything clear up until now? No questions? Good. So here. So we start. Knesset Yisrael. The Jewish people. Knesset Yisrael meaning the assembly of Israel, literally. But meaning the Jewish people. Nikre B'Shem Esther. Are also called Esther. But not always. 
Does anyone know of other names? It can be first names or designations of the Jewish people. Ben Yaakov. Huh? Ben Yaakov. Yeah, Ben Yaakov, Yisrael. Or as a designation, Kala. Huh? Or sheep, Tzom, Tzom Yosef. Oh, Achoti, sister, etc., etc. Like Shira Shirim is, is revolving around the themes of the Jewish nation being the, the bride, the sister. I refer to two different things, obviously, but there's a reason why there is in Am Yisrael those two aspects the sister part and the bride part. When do we refer to the Jewish people as Esther? So says the Maimon, oh, Esther, that is al shame, v'onoichi haster, aster ponai bayoim hahu. That is when the Jews are in the moment that the verse talks about when Hashem says, and I will then, that day, v'onoichi, that's Hashem speaking, haster, aster, I will hide ponai, my face, in that day. And now he's going to break that verse down, spiritually speaking. That verse is talking about the moment of exile, the moment of Golos. Hashem says to the Jewish people, be aware. Because my patient has an expiration date, date or limit, whatever. That's the, the, the parshas and Kitzavah and Nitzavah. And Hashem says, and if you cross that expiration limit, then there will befall very unpleasant things, and you will go into exile, and at that moment you will be Esther. Oh, okay. So Esther's not that good. No, no offense, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what it says. <laughs> then I will be with you as an Esther. What does an Esther mean? Esther, hiding. I will not reveal myself to you. And he's breaking it down. The, the Alter Rebbe and the Mimer is breaking down. What, is, what, what does Tyrus say that is going to be happening exactly when we are going to be in Golis? Spiritually. Meaning besides the fact that we won't have the temple and that we will not be in the land of Israel. Okay, but in Avodat Hashem, in our divine worship, what is going to happen during Golis? So he says, Kipnei Avayim. The face of Hashem. Now we all know that Hashem doesn't have a body. So what does it mean, face? I will hide my face. Well, you don't have a face. <laughs> so we didn't lose a lot there. <laughs> okay. Now I mean, like, okay, like, like I hide my face. Okay, go ahead. So what does it mean? What does it mean? I, what, does it mean? Yeah, what does it mean? I hide my face. What face? So says the Alter Chassidus, you know what a face refers to? A face refers to the pnimius, the intensity of a person. That's why we all know that it can be communication problems and mishaps on a phone conversation. We all know that, right? Why? Because you don't have the face of the person. So you're not sure. One thing. And once you're faced with the person, then you're sure, yes, then you're sure. Meaning more. Because you see 
you energy, you see the luminosity, you see the expression, you see the eyes, you see so many things on the face when you're talking to a person. I mean, unless the person is a very good poker player, but a regular person is not a good poker player. So a face is the pneumius. By the way, right? Look at it. It's, it's written right there. Hanim. Hanim. Face. Bifnim. Inside. Me, me, you. The inner dimension. It's the same thing. Because your face is your inside. But your face is your inside revealed. That's your face. That's why if we don't want to reveal our face, then maybe we do prefer the form of conversation. Could be that it's intentionally that I don't want to speak to the person face to face. I want to speak over the phone because I don't want the person to read off my face. But I'm lying. Uh, or whatever, okay? So what, does the, so what does it mean when David Bishter says, I will hide my face? What does it mean? I will hide my inside. You won't have the profound connection. Meaning, Shehu The face of Hashem is when Hashem reveals His presence. That's His face. Like it says, what do we say in Birkas Kohanim? May Hashem Ya'er shine, illuminate, Panav, His face, Elecho, to you. What does it mean? May Hashem shine upon you. May you feel Hashem's presence. Achshav Bismanagolos. Now during the exile, Mesuteres. Hashem's Revelation, like open revelation, is hidden. Bevchinas bayoim hahu. Ah, here comes the tricky part. To the point that it will become bayom hahu. That day. Because what is he referring to? He's referring to the verse that says Esther. What does it say Esther in the Torah? Haster, aster. I will utterly hide. Like I will hide, hide. It's like a repetition. Haster Aster Ponai, my face, which means my revelation. Bayoin Haho. In that day. Now everything here is translated in Hasidic terms. Yom always means a manifestation. Always means a revelation of some kind. Yom is all. Yom. Yom. Hashem called light. He called it Yom, day. Yom always refers to a revelation. Hahu, that one talks about the one that is not present. Parenthesis. Very, in, in, very cute Vartaira on Megillus Esther. As we start learning now Megillus Esther. Very cute Vartaira. When Esther finally <coughs> said to the king, there is a wicked, wicked man who wants to kill my people. That's how she put it. And please save us. Now, if you've been paying attention to the beginning of the story, there isn't one or two wicked men. Achashverosh is part of the plot. He gave his ring. It's his seal 
That is at the bottom of the decrees. So when Esther says, there's a wicked man that wants to kill my people, Achashari says, one second, are you talking about the one that is known by everyone, or are you talking about the one that was behind the scenes? Mi hu zeh That's in the Megillah Sester. Mi hu zeh Who do you consider being the main overt person? And who do you consider to be the person behind the scenes? And she said, Haman hara hazeh. No, no, I'm talking about the zeh, not talking about the who. I know who you are. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, meaning, or not. Uh, I mean, she didn't want to stay alive. So, uh, meaning, Achashverosh was like saying, are you coming for me? And she said, no. I'm talking only about Haman. I said, okay, that's not wrong. We're going to kill him. Me, who zeh, and what do you see in Hebrew? Who is who? Him. He over there. Third person. <coughs> Someone who is not in front of me. Zeh is oh, this, this, this one. This one. So says the Tyra, when you will go into Golos, So I'll, I'll give it to you first in English and then we'll read it inside. It means that Hashem's revelation will be hidden even inside the revelations. Mm-hmm. Come again. So, what is the revelation of Hashem in, one, in, in, a, in a person? In, a, in, in each and one of us. What does it mean to have a divine revelation? Well, in very simple layman terms, it means to be animated from within. To suddenly have a stamina of spiritual awakening, a force, a thrive, that just like a light that glows from within, a, 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 a desire to cleave to Hashem, which is called the love of Hashem. That love of Hashem is present by every Jew. That love of Hashem is called a yoyim, a revelation, because you have a love of Hashem. It is just that, says Hashem, your natural love, the Yoy, will become Hahu, that love. Something that you have, but your car is going, like your starter has a problem. Not your battery, not your engine, your starter. It's like it's there, just needs to get a kick. Like, you give it a quick kick, sometimes it works. Uh, sometimes you break your car. But, trust me. But anyway, uh, so, so it's, like, it's there, it's a yoim, it's there, you know it's there. It's just, get, go on. Like, get it started already. So it's yoim and it's ahu at the same time. It's frustrating. It's yoim. It's not indifference. It's yoim. I mean, yoim is a revelation. There is something there. On the other hand, it's ahu. It's there. It's not, it's not here. It's, it's not permanent. It's not staying. Why? Because my shechina is hidden. And because my shechina is hidden, if Hashem's shechina, divine presence, was revealed, it would flare us up. We would like 
like what would have it would flare us up. But since Hashem will hide himself, our desire to be close to Hashem will have starter problems. <laughs> it's there. Like I, sometimes it's gonna go after like 10, 20, 50 times. It's gonna start. Or not. Uh, yeah, we can jump cables so you get someone like to push you down the <laughs> hill. Until you realize there was a lake over there. Um, anyways, this. Is this a true story? No. So, that's, that's just my imagination. So, this is the sad reality of Golas. It is the sad reality of Golas. Would people be more religious? Okay, it's a tricky question. The, the, it's a trick question. The answer is, yeah, no, meaning they would be much more spiritual and much more living with Hashem. People can be unfaithful within a marriage because they have the comfort of the marriage that they think will always be around them, which is not true. But, so, but they are married. Well, here, we like all single people, so to speak. Like, we can't, get, we can't hitch up with Hashem, yes. In the time of Mitzvah, Hashem was very, like, in the Makkah, Hashem was very revealed. There's still people who didn't want to join. No, it's true. It was before, we're talking about Matar. For Matar, the Neshamas are not inside the body yet. It's only in Matar that the Neshamas enter the body. That's why I said Matar is like Bar Mitzvah. Or like Brismila. I mean, it's a little bit of both. So the Torah is referred to as the Brismila, as the Bar Mitzvah, and as the Chasana something. It's a big thing, all at once. Yeah. So where's the Neshama hanging out before it enters the body? In a spiritual play that is beyond our scope, like a lot of things are beyond our scope. So what is happening during exile? Well, during exile, unfortunately, our natural love of Hashem is becoming abstract. Abstracted? Abstract. 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 Okay. Meaning, so, it's, so since it's abstract, abstract, so it's not really love anymore. Mm-hmm. But we, we don't, so, so what is it like? It's, uh, well, it's precisely, it's more like, yeah, kind of like it. <laughs> You do agree that, like, I kind of like you, will you marry me? That's not the best line. Uh, it's kind of like loving the idea. Yeah, I mean, um, loving, that, 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 that's like, good. Kind of liking, first of all, liking is much less than loving. And kind of liking, meaning, yeah, I mean, why not? Okay, yeah, yay, that's so <laughs> romantic, yeah. So, like, why not? I mean, no, like, it's a liking. A liking is when it's, Halfway between intellectual and emotional. It's not really, really emotional, emotional. It's like, yeah, I quite like you. But do you want it to get more emotional? Uh, it, it would be stronger. It would produce a stronger connection. Yeah, then it can also be like, not in the right. What do you mean? Ah, yeah, we, I mean, humanly I can love the wrong things. Yeah, okay, but that's in, in human things. True. That's why sometimes, yeah, there is an advantage to be more cerebral in human relationships, at least to begin with. Uh, it's like, 
even if the shoes are the nicest shoes that you ever saw, just make sure that they have their, your size. Because uh, at the end of the day, you're going to have to walk in it. So the fact that they're nice shoes will not help a lot if it's not the right size. So but sometimes if I get too carried away with how nice the shoes are, you just say, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll squeeze in. Yeah, that lasts about a day. Because uh, then it just it hurts too much. So, true. In human relationships, another thing is you have to be more cerebral, more intellectual, and go afterwards and not, let, not be hard uh, uh, over heels. Uh, but here, we need this love of Hashem to push through reality. The, the, not, the lack of love of Hashem is what got us the Evet Pashat. If he would have love of Hashem, oh, man, his life would be so much better. He's, he's, he's pushing through, he's like, has this highest that comes from him. Like, but you don't have it, so everything becomes an obligation. That's very sad. So here, so now let's read it inside. So what does he say? Perush, no, one second, here it is. But now during exile, it's Our love of Hashem is hidden in a way of Bayoim Hahu. Meaning, when you say Yoim Hahu, that day, you're talking about a day which, so it is a revelation. But it can't be seen. Mashein came by Yoim Hazeh. Contrary to the word by Yoim Hazeh, this day. So, one So now he's going to translate that. Vederich Prat, when you go into the details. Bechol Nefesh Rizrol, by every Jew, what does it relate to? Hinekasha Bechinas Nitz, is Nafshaelikis. When the spark of godliness, Humachuse Melubosh, is hidden up. In the in the in the like clothes of thought, speech, and deeds of materialism, and on, on, on one hand, the person is living a very physical existence. On the other hand, Hashem doesn't manifest itself. What is it, how would it be if it would be manifesting himself? That is, if Hashem would unite with a person. This week's Parsha. Va'asuli Mikdash, Veshachanti Betacham. You will make a sanctuary for me, and I will reside amongst you. A master teaches us that what does it mean to reside, that Abishtha will reside amongst us? Say the, the masters, the rabbis, not betocham, betocholo neemal. He doesn't say Hashem will reside inside the sanctuary, the tabernacle only. Ela betocham, I will reside in them. Betoch kol echad lechad, inside everyone. So, I have shechina in me. Shechina means revelation. What does it mean having shechina in me? I feel a fire. The fire doesn't come from me. (sighs) 
we've been living so long in exile, in Galus, that we don't really know to what extent our relationship with Hashem today is so not okay and not on our behalf. Because we're in a relationship where it pretty much seems that there is one side doing all the work. So if this would be master-slave, okay, gotcha. But if this is a relationship, couple, huh, yeah? So how come I'm the one doing all the work? Like, what is Hashem doing? And I say, whoa, that's heresy. I'm about to say that. No, 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 I'm not saying I'm just asking a question. Like, where is Hashem's part? In the Avodat Hashem. I know what I'm doing. I'm davening. I'm keeping kosher. I'm keeping Shabbos. I know what I'm doing. We know what Hashem's doing. I mean, he's... Keeping us in, in awe. No, 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 no. In this relationship, he's keeping cows alive as well. That's true. They, they don't keep Shabbos. They don't keep Shabbos. No, no, I mean, it's a, again, so eventually, girls, what happened? What happened? What happened is that we translated it more to kind of a master-servant relationship, king-subject relationship, which is, okay, fine, because it's true. It does resemble much more to that. But then when you come back to the Torah and you get descriptions that this relationship is a couple relationship, okay. So says the minor... Yeah, well, um, nope, not a business trip. For the moment, he's doing uh, separate chambers. Why? Because the relationship, like, hit rock bottom because of all kinds of problems. You want to know how the relationship was? Oh, the relationship was the Migdash the Abishta's fire was residing inside of our hearts and it was a mutual relationship. You imagine the kick putting, doing a mitzvah and flaring up? That's so not fair, we don't have that. You imagine what it would be to daven and to feel the answer? You don't have to hear it. Just let it flow. Just feel it. You can feel the answer. Oh, that's so not fair. Why don't we have that? We want that. Can we get a refund? Yeah, can we get a refund? I want that part. <laughs> the answer is, well, that was here. And then says, <laughs> Will come a day when you will go exile. And Golas will not be about living in Iraq or living in Morocco or living in America or living wherever. Golas will be about me not being inside you in a revealed way. That will be Gullus. And you will still want to be close to Hashem, but it won't like you will have starter problems. Like I said with my car. Because your engine is going to be cold and it's difficult to get the car going when it's freezing. Right? I don't know. No? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Rumor has it. So anyways... <laughs> So once upon a time, there was, Oy Hashem, you girls, I really want you to look at the words. 
Oir Hashem, Shore Umitzgal Levoi, the light of Hashem that resides and reveals inside of him, Lios Nitpas Venigba Mamoichoi, to the point that it is seized and, and, and fixed in his mind, Velibai, and in his heart, Ha'ahavalavaya, the love for Hashem. To cleave to him, be his galus with the revealed way in the heart. Hashem would inundate us with spiritual perception that made us cleave to him. And here is the word that I didn't read, the one that before this whole line, the ein, the ein Hashem. But it's not the case. Bummer. It's not the case. Because that sounded very good. I want this. Yeah, well, it's not the case. But this is what it was. Ki'im bevchinas makif olaf melamala. So what is it now? Now it's abstract. It stays like what is called encompassing makif. Something that, yeah, I like. So Nico Bechines Ahava then such a kind of love is called Beshem Esther. Yes. What's the difference between Makiv and Mamala? Makiv is abstract. Mamala is when you're, it's inside. Makiv is like Makiv is like meaning. Yes, that's what I meant. I that's what I meant to say. Ah, no, it's the same. It's two yeah, different it's words for the same thing, yeah. Shehim is Sutheres because Esther refers to hidden, this day that is not revealed. In Kabbalah, this is called Nekudabechala, a point within a palace. Meaning you have a tremendous palace. Imagine your heart being as a big palace. You know how much in your heart you have love of Hashem? Imagine one point, one dot. You draw on a, pic, on a paper a big palace. That big palace is your heart. And then wherever you choose, you put a dot. That dot in the palace is our hidden love of Hashem in our heart. There is something there. He can maybe make it grow like a seed, but for the moment, it's very, very low-key. It, do, it doesn't inspire me. It doesn't push me. It doesn't... It is only, and as, as you learn, maybe in Tanya, if faced with a choice that I'm being told, what do you prefer, your life or your connection with Hashem, it's only then when I will realize that I might lose my connection with Hashem, God forbid, that, I, that I, it will like wake up like, with a roar. It's like, it's a, no, I, I want to stay with Hashem. That, that Nekuda, in, in Yiddish, the, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, used to call it a Pinteleid. He's a Jew, but sometimes his, jo- his whole Jewishness is in one dot. It's still enough because it can blossom. 
But for the moment, it's, it's a pentelegid. Like it's one point. Where is it? This is the Omar Bayed Mahu. That's Gullus. So when I see a person who's not religious, oh wow. He has a lot of attenuating circumstances. Don't tell him. Why? Because he has to invest in a relationship where there's like <laughs> there's like no no one answering on the other side. It's very hard. I mean, you have to be very, very, very dedicated and, and know what's true, etc. Because it's very difficult. How many messages can you already leave on the answering machine? Because referring to Dhabi. I'm not coming to demoralize you, although it does seem like that. I'm saying, I'm coming to make you understand that why we need Mashiach. Why we, 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 this messed up situation has been going on for so long that no one knows that it's messed up. Understand what I'm saying? Is that clear what I'm saying? It's a messed up situation. Because it's, it says, by the way, that Moshe Rabbeinu was very humble. He was more humble and all of them, anyone that ever existed, says the Midrash, why was he so humble? Because he saw the Jews that will be living in exile, especially those before the coming of Mashiach. And he, he will see them, he saw them, and he said, wow, I wouldn't be able to do that. To have no... No feeling in spirituality, no revelation, no nothing, and still stick with it and battle it out. Wow. You see, I'm, I'm sorry to make that comparison with us, but maybe you already had the, this uh, experience of being humbled and belittled by a handicapped person who is happy and full of joy. And when you speak with a person, the person is saying, yeah, it's a great day, everything's okay, etc., etc. And you like feel belittled, you feel humbled, you feel stupid. Because you remember what you were whining about. And then you say, and this person is in the wheelchair. He's like this, he's like that. Isn't life beautiful? And then you like you feel so small. So that's Moshe Rabbeinu with us, because we're in the wheelchair. The spiritual wheelchair. And Moshe Rabbeinu sees us singing, and Moshe Rabbeinu says, wow, how do they do that? And what's the answer? The answer is, how do we do it? It's because we don't think about it too much. We just do it. So maybe I should stop talking about that. Uh, so anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the point in the palace. In what is the most profound, like it, in, in, inside his heart, there is a point. Therefore, sure, there is love, but hidden. By every Jew. 
you, there's no person that doesn't have this interior love. But to bring this hidden love out into the open, that is something that is not equal to all men. And that is what? In the times and the days of Mashiach, and it's very important not to follow what's going on here. Bata, did you find the question? Um, no. So we'll see. The person will be refined. Then it will be the, the other verse. Meaning, one right here, the two verses, another, maybe not. So exile, exile is the verse, the Anochi, Hastir, 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 Panai, Bayom, Pahu. That's exile. It's not possible. I will hide my face, my feels means my interior, my intensity, my revelation. I will hide it to the point that the yoyim, that the revelation that you always had, which is your love of Hashem, will become ahu, that revelation. So it's not a, a present revelation, it's an, an abstract revelation. But in the times of Mashiach, well, in the times of Mashiach, there's this other verse. verse. Beniglo, how does it say? Beniglo? Yes. Beniglo. Beniglo Kodashem. No, so one second. I, I want to start with the second part. The Omal Bayoi Mahu. Hine Elokeinu Zeh. And that day, the times of the revelation of Mashiach, people will say, Hine, look, see, Elikeinu Zed. This is our God pointing fingers, something that you can feel. Because the verse before that said, Venigla. Venigla, Kavoy Hashem. Hashem's glory will reveal itself. Velau Kal Basar. And all flesh will see. Etc. 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 So the Maimar says, in exile, even what is yoyim, yoyim means your revelation. In exile, even what is supposed to be a revelation, your love of Hashem, will become abstract, something that you relate to, but it doesn't inspire you. In the times of Mashiach, we will then say, Hine this is our God, like pointing fingers. What is the question? The question, because, well, if in the days of Mashiach we will be able to point towards the divine, so why does it say again, Bayoimahu? You just told me that Bayoimahu is bad. You told me Bayoimahu is not good. You told me Bayoimahu is godless. Again, Bayoimahu. What's that? Oh, no, you're not finished, you're not. 
Isaiah is talking about the future. Well, that don't say anything. Ve'omar. Ve'omar, ve'yoyim. Hagodon. Whatever. In this big day, you can find another word. Because ahu, you just told me that ahu means abstract. That day. You're not that one over there. Like, not something that you relate to. So why did you say it again? Ah, so here we have a couple of minutes left. So... I know this class has already been quite intense, but I'm still, and plus, it's terribly hot in here. It is so hot. It is crazy hot. So open that window at the beginning. How do we turn it off? I'm going to ask if we can close the window. Really? It sounds like it's so cold. 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 It's so yeah, it's true, it's true, it's true, for two reasons, that's how you fall sick, for two reasons, A, because of the two big difference of temperature, B, because it dries up all the mucus, which is the biggest natural barrier against microbes and bacteria. What, what does, what dries it? The heat, people, fall, people think that you, fall, uh, you catch a cold because of a cold, no you don't. Because of the difference of temperatures, because of drying up, not drinking enough, not having enough mucus. Humidity, humidity is not good. That's a, that's a different problem. But heat, heat, heat is definitely a cause of, of, uh, of falling sick. Um, and nowadays, in age, people should really stay healthy. So, anyways. You don't want to spread coronavirus. Yes, exactly. So, Ah, wow. Ooh, how do I go? I don't know. I don't, I'm, 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 look, I'm trying to... Like, I know that I... No, I didn't dig myself into a hole because I have to explain this problem because the miner is referring to it, although it doesn't ask the question. It's, it's explaining it without asking the question, but if you follow correctly, if you understand correctly what he's saying, so he also explains. Okay. Where do I start? Mm-hmm. Okay, now let's continue the, the, the no, let's continue the analogy that we did before. Okay, Bef- so one second. What was there before exile? What did we say? What was the situation like before exile? You could see Hashem. No, before exile, Hashem would, I said, reside in us, inundate us. Remember, I told you that mm-hmm. Hashem would come into us reside in us, and that would just flare us up. So the flare that we had before exile was by Hashem actually doing most of the work. We're now complaining about we doing the most of the work. Well, rewind. Before that, it was actually exactly the other way around. You might have heard this already, and it is true. Marriages fail when people feel comfortable in their marriage. As long as a person knows that his marriage is not guaranteed, and that nothing is owed, and he's not entitled to be married, then that person will invest in marriage to make sure it continues to grow and be balanced. The moment where a person becomes comfortable saying, well, I'm married. Like, what else is here? 
which can happen 10 years or 20 years afterwards, but then it's becoming a problem. So the person doesn't do anymore gestures, investment, attention, respect, you name it, because we're married anyways. And that's when the downhill starts. That's how the Jews were with Hashem. Hashem was inundating them with revelation, and because they were so spiritually connected, they didn't feel they had to keep up their part of the bargain. We're Jewish anyways. It's a paradox. People were not religious, not because they didn't believe in Hashem, or that they were not connected in Hashem. They were not religious because they were overconnected. They felt very comfortable. They felt so comfortable, they put up a desire in the base of Mikdash. Like, like, for real? Like, you brought your mistress home while I was at work? Oh, no, but we used a different bedroom. Oh, thank you. Like, like, okay, like, it's not bad enough that you have a mistress, you brought it home? It, it. Yeah, it. Because here's Avedah Zara. Because here's Avedah Zara. I didn't want to go too graphical with human relationship. Just wanted to give you the analogy. So the Jews put Avedah Zara in the Beis HaMikdash. Like, are you guys, like, completely out of your mind? The answer is no. Just completely oblivious and entitled. Maybe a little bit obnoxious. Where like, I want to have fun. Yeah, so, but yeah, don't worry about Hashem, he's cool. But it's still like that today. We can do whatever we want. We can yeah, but, not yeah, no, no, yeah. But there it was different, on the contrary. By the way, there's a pasuk in Shirashirim where the Am Yisrael says to the Abishter, please bring us back and please don't reveal yourself to us so much anymore, for your revelation has led me astray. Mm-hmm. You hear that? I became so comfortable, and you gave me so much all the time, that I never even anticipated that I could lose it all. Yeah, I know, you sell me all those prophets that told me that I would. I didn't believe them. Whatever. But growth starts at the end of your comfort zone when you're not comfortable. Huh? You have to push yourself. Yeah. You always have to push yourself. Remember? I'm going back to previous minor again. Like always breaking your nature. Always going beyond. Now we're in exile. We are the exact opposite. What is Hashem doing in a revealed way? Nothing. He does, like, as, like, as he said, but, but as he said it because it's Esti. He said, he does loads of things, you just can't see it. Which makes perfect sense that you said it. Uh, but what does he do for us in a revealed way? No. In a revealed way, he said, I am hiding myself. You have to do your own work. Okay, Mashiach days. Are we going to go back to what was before exile? Just like we served our sentence, we can come back home? No. It's a new situation where instead of Hashem inundating us from beyond with spirituality that flared us up, but in a way was like gifts, and we became so spoiled with gifts that we kept on receiving that we thought that those are like allowances that were anyways ours. We have to receive them. When Mashiach will come, the divine that is within creation will 
explode. It won't be from without. It will be from within. And that is why the Omar Bayoim Hahu, your human love, a love that is very, yeah, I like it, I like it, not, oh, I'm so in love. A very kind of love that is very abstract. Your human abstract love, which is more liking, will be able to say, look, God is there. It will be a kind of a quiet passion, but so passionate. Because it will become nature. Because flesh will see Hashem's glory. So yes, it will be Bayoi Mahahu, but the Bayoi Mahu won't be a problem anymore. It's like you're... You're intense, but you're so calm. The Omar Bayomans is a profound idea in this minor that you can have a calm attachment with Hashem, which is more like a liking than a love, but it will come with the intensity of revelation. Oh, so why once upon a time was it with a love? Because once upon a time, it came from beyond. So you always love something that is outside of you. And here it will come from inside of you. So it won't, it will still be this kind of what seems to be abstract liking, but it won't be a problem anymore. Because in this natural way of being, you will feel and see that everything is divine. We stop our class here for today. We'll continue that next week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Rabbi, you're teaching at two, right? Yes, I'm teaching at two o'clock.